Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Roundup number 17 here on the Totally Driven Radio Network. I am your host, the comic book cowboy himself, the Maverick, and we are here with another great show for you. Lots of comic book news, a new six-shooter, and a whole lot more. But first, I wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of the Posse members and Totally Driven family who came out to see me last night at Liberty All-Star Wrestling Sold Out. Law Bowl event in Parksburg, Pennsylvania. We raised more than $1,000 for the OLC Life Team Youth Group, and I was very excited and happy to be a part of that. It was awesome seeing all the posse members come on out. It was great seeing all those masks in effect, and it was just a great time, and I'm very humbled by the experience. Uh, So you want to hear more about that, tune in this Friday night at 9 p.m. because there's a lot to talk about about the event. Some things didn't quite go the way I expected, but it was a great night overall. Um, so tune into the Totally Driven Radio Network Friday night at 9 to hear all of the fallout from the Law Bowl. So, but turning it back to the theme of the show here at Comics, uh, this is Maverick's Comic Roundup, and uh, a lot of news to get into this week, so let's just jump right into it. Toys R Us is going to be hosting a Lego Batman movie building event this Saturday, February 11th, from 1 to 3. Now, they're calling it a make-it-take-it event, which means you come in and you participate in a couple activities and you get to build and take home your own Lego vehicle. And uh, it's a bit of a spoiler, I think, for the Lego Batman movie, Um, sort of. The movie opens February 10th. So the 11th, the movie will actually be out, and the Make It Take It is Emmett's Batcar, which uh, you can kind of take as a confirmation that Emmett, the star of the Lego movie, is going to make some sort of appearance in the Lego Batman movie. We mentioned before how it's uh, all in the same universe, so that's a pretty cool thing. Um, Very much looking forward to that movie. We'll probably have a review somewhere whether it be online, the blog, uh, on Totally Driven, or we'll talk about it here on the show. But uh, I'm excited about it. I'm a big Batman fan 
Uh, we love Legos in my house. I have already started collecting the Lego Batman minifigures for the movie. They're a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to to the movie. So we'll check that out when it comes in. Speaking of Batman movies, Ben Affleck has bowed out of directing the upcoming The Batman movie. He is going to stay on as producer and star of the film. And uh, as of yet, no director has been named. Affleck stated that he wanted to focus on being the best Batman the project requires. Uh, this uh, Batman is spinning out of the upcoming Justice League movie from this summer, which spins out of Batman v Superman. And uh, it's been getting a lot of mixed reviews, this universe. It's been critically bashed. Um, I've made no secret of my dislike for Batman v Superman. And um, Justice League is claiming it's going to right many of the wrongs that took place in that mess of a movie. Uh, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, not anxiously looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know that Affleck played a decent Batman in that film, but I think the world at large that they created is, is very flawed, and it's going to be tough to get traction in it movie universe set in that uh, particular, well, universe. (laughs) All right. Terry Hatcher will be joining the cast of Supergirl as a villain. The lovely Miss Hatcher played Lois Lane in the new adventures of Lois and Clark that ran for many years and is still popular in syndication. She's coming on as a bad girl, bad woman, bad lady. Um... I haven't really said who she's going to be. It's going to be a multi-issue yeah, – reading comics again – multi-episode arc in which she eventually becomes the villain. I don't know if it will be revealed or something's going to happen to her. Um, we've seen uh, one of the things about Supergirl is the love given to previous incarnations of Superman. As Dean Kane is uh, the Superman from the New Adventures of Lois and Clark is Supergirl's adopted Earth father in the show. And Helen Slater, who was Supergirl in the movie in the 80s, is the adopted mother. So nice shout-out to the history, um, which they do also in The Flash, um, of the character in television. So looking forward to that. We'll see how this Hatcher plays a bill. Olivia Holt from the Disney Channel and Aubrey Joseph are going to be playing the title characters in Freeform's upcoming Cloak and Dagger series based on the Marvel Comics property. This one was announced a long time ago, and it was, I don't know, it's taken a really long time to develop, it seems. I'm not privy to a lot of the information. I don't know if it was slow moving on purpose or they just had trouble finding the right situation. Um, But it was actually in, it was originally an ABC family before they became Freeform. Uh, may have been one of the first properties they geared to it. Um, it's coming. Uh, they've got their cast. And um, looking forward to that. It's a Marvel property, but they haven't necessarily stated if it's going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic and uh, Television Universe, along with Daredevil and the Marvel Cinematic Movies and all that other stuff. So... We'll keep an eye on that. We'll have more news as it comes, and we'll be checking it out. There's so much comics on television right now. Uh, we're going to have a comics on television special coming up very soon where we're going to be talking about 
all of these shows, um, Flash, Supergirl, uh, the new ones like Riverdale and Powerless, end up coming for that. So keep a listen out for that as we get closer to announcing that big special. Tarzan, John Carter of Mars, and the rest of author Edgar Rice Burroughs' creations are going to come together in a miniseries called The Greatest Adventure. Uh, This is for Dynamite Comics, and it's going to be written by Bill Willingham. Very popular uh, writer, created a series called Fables, which uh, many think may be part of the inspiration for ABC's hit Once Upon a Time series. Uh, it's basically he fairy tale characters uh, gathered together and and mashed into one big series. He did a another series called Masks a few years ago. It was the same situation, mashing. So this is another one of those pulp comic mashups that'll see characters from different genres and eras come together. Uh, Tarzan is the lead character in that. And the inspiration for it is from the original Tarzan novel. So it'll be a very different kind of Tarzan than most people expect because in the novels, Tarzan um, didn't spend all of his time in the jungle barefoot. So uh, interesting to look out for that. I like Willingham's work. He did a great job on fables. Um, I liked a lot of the pulp comics that Dynamite puts out. So I'll be definitely looking forward to that. This one's cool, and uh, I'm not sure how I missed it for so long, but acclaimed writer of the Goosebumps series, R.L. Stein, is coming to Marvel Comics. And very appropriately, he's going to be writing the monstrous Man-Thing. He's going to be writing the new Man-Thing series. The first two issues are coming out in March. They're sending out two that month to get the ball rolling. Uh, an incredibly popular writer, uh, award-winning writer. Uh, we've talked about the Goosebumps series and, and so many other horror books that he has written. It'll be very interesting to see his take on one of Marvel's horror monster characters, Man-Thing. Um, we talked about Monsters Unleashed, and Marvel's been bringing back the big scary monster comics. It's a, it's a trend for them. We're seeing things like Fin Fang Boom and now Man-Thing, uh, Monsters Unleashed is going to be a comic. So they're bringing the crazy sci-fi monsters back that made a big impression on Marvel in the uh, early formative years of Marvel Comics when Stan and Jack and company were all writing them. And having a writer like R.L. Stein is a big, big, big nod to Marvel. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes and um, what they're going to do with it. All right. Also, this week, Marvel has been dominating the news. They announced the cast and character bios for its upcoming Runaway show. Uh, This one's going to Hulu. It's going to be a Hulu original, and it's based on the comic book series The Runaways, which to me is one of the coolest concepts for a comic uh, in a long time. Uh, Great idea, and I think it's going to play out very well on television. The Runaways is about a group of teenagers who come together and form a very unlikely team when they discover they are all the children of Marvel supervillains. 
and I'm not going to get too much more into it. Uh, it's a big cast list, so I'm certainly not going to read it on here. If you can definitely check it out for yourself, if you go to Marvel.com, they covered it earlier this week. Um, I think this one's going to play out really well. I think it's another one of those properties that when Disney purchased Marvel was on their top list of things that they think they can translate into movie and TV properties because it plays well to, a, I think, a certain demographic. And I think it has the potential to be a really cool show as long as the budget's there and uh, it doesn't come off too cheesy or ridiculous because uh, there's a lot of superpowers going on in that book and a lot of interesting character stuff, which I think is going to be the thrust of the series. All right. One more bit of news, and this time we're heading back to DC Comics. A pilot for Black Lightning has been ordered at the CW. Uh, originally, Fox had picked up the pilot order, uh, but they ended up passing on it, and the CW promptly picked it up. Uh, the show is being produced by Greg Berlanti, who is also the producer for Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of the DC Universe, and a couple more. So I imagine the show will be in that universe, uh, the ever-expanding DC TV universe. Uh, Now, obviously, since pilot, you're talking about a year before that show comes up, so I'm not really sure what the lineup will be at that point, but that's a lot of superheroes on the CW. Um, Black Lightning's the story of Jefferson Pierce, a superhero, and it's going to pick up uh, the more contemporary version of Jefferson where he's retired and he has a daughter, who wants to take up the family business. And uh, it's going to have him come out, and looks like it's going to be a family-driven series. I'm a big fan of the Black Lightning character ever since his days in The Outsiders. He doesn't get used a lot. Um, sometimes it's because of creative rights and whatnot. A um, couple interesting things on the character uh, that you may be familiar. Uh, the character Black Vulcan, in the Super Friends animated series from the 70s and early 80s um, was a direct result of Black Lightning. Uh, the rumor is that they couldn't use Black Lightning because of ownership rights. Um, the creator wouldn't sign off, so they created Black Vulcan instead. Um, it was very similar in powers and taste. In a similar situation, although I don't believe it was for creators' rights issues, but in Young Justice, when they created the their version of uh, the Hanna-Barbera heroes that were introduced, Apache Chief, Black Vulcan, Samurai, El Dorado, and the Wonder Twins, when they created those characters for the Young Justice series, they used Static Shock, that of Black Vulcan, to replace him. Static Shock uh, has a lot in common with Black Vulcan in that way, but they used a much more popular contemporary character. Um, Static Shock himself, Static was was picked up for a development for a series, although there hasn't been a lot of word on that since it was announced that it was going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see which of those two properties end up on television first. If the Black Lightning's going to be a part of the CW, they may introduce him earlier and spin him off into a show. Uh, I imagine it'd be kind of silly not to make him part of that universe. But again, I really don't know what the plans are for that. So, Lots of interesting things coming up in comic books. Lots of interesting things coming up on television and movies with comic books. And we're going to cover it here all on the Roundup. 
Um, one more piece of news on a personal note. Come on out next Saturday evening to the Comic Universe in Folsom, Pennsylvania. They are going to be celebrating their 38th anniversary, 38 years in business, with their annual Comic Universe auction. I will be on hand once again as special guest auctioneer. It's one of my favorite events to do every year. It's a great time and a lot of fun, and people are already talking about it. We'll have uh, next week on the show, we are scheduled to have Comic Universe owner Frank Link on the show to discuss 40 years of running a comic book store, past, present, and future of the store, and everything coming up for the auction. So definitely check that out. It'll also be another chance for you to come and get your Mavericks Posse membership kit. It's got your decoder card and some other fun stuff in there. So come on out. It's going to be fun. Come say Mav and talk to comics. And that, my friends, is this week's news. Yeah. All right, folks. I, this About this time, I think it's time to jump in and take our commercial break. And when we be back, we'll be talking more comics here on The Roundup. See you in a few. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com to keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your ghoul friend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. 
We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our stores voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. Hey partners, welcome back to Mavericks Comic Roundup here on the Totally Driven Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in, whether it be live or later on on the on-demand portion of the program. Um, seems we have a caller. So let's uh, see who it might be checking in on the line here on Mavericks Comic Roundup. Hello, my good friend. Hello. What's going on, sir? Well, you know, it's Sunday morning. There's no cartoons on, so, you know, I want to talk comics. Well, come talk comics. Hey, I wanted to get your opinion on two of my new favorite books and reads, and I wanted to see if you've been keeping up with them and I'll see what okay. you think of them because I discovered them both by accident, and they – I'm thoroughly enjoying comics again. <laughs> and uh, one is the infamous Iron Man. And then the other one is Red Hood and the Outlaws. Okay. Now, you're not the first person to mention Red Hood and the Outlaws to me, but I haven't. it's coming out on trade, and I plan on picking up the first trade. I love the concept um, of a kind of a dark mirrored trinity for DC Comics. Um, the well, Iron Man I haven't picked up yet. That's the one with Siri. Is that name Siri Williams? Am I right on that? Or did I just completely make up that name? Actually, actually let me look. <laughs> I honestly, I'll be honest with you. I haven't paid attention to artists and writers in years because I just find myself enjoying the, the stories, and I could care less who's writing as long as they're writing a good one. Because I always find myself sometimes pointed in some of the more famous. Artists and writers, and it is Bendis, Malavy, and Hollingsworth on that book. Okay. Bendis does so Bendis, you can never go wrong with. Lion's the work. No, <laughs> not that? at all. I really enjoy his work. He's become kind of like yeah. their guy. Like they're like Jeff Johns is the main writer guy for mm-hmm. uh, DC. Uh, Bendis is the guy for Marvel. He's their go-to guy for all big events, and he almost always delivers. He, he does, he, he does, and I'll I'll tell you both. Now now I'm going to correct you on one thing with the Red Hood and the Outlaws. It's yeah. really not a dark book. It actually I, has a lot of comedy aspects in it. Dark it's in the way that it's a, like a a darker version of the Trinity, not necessarily that the book was dark. Okay, okay, now I got you. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. Um, the fact that he's doing it without knowing he's doing—he's basically the the premise is, is it's you know the Red Hood who we all know is uh, Jason Todd, and he's not wanting to, but unwittingly creating um, a dark Justice League 
of basically the mirror of the heroes. Right, like the, right. The Cesaro and Aramis. Right. Who would who would be Wonder Woman and Superman? <laughs> and of course, exactly, he's right. Yeah, Batman. Yeah, no, he, he's expanded. Has he expanded onto that past the, the Trinity? Well, I just got the next two issues, so I think he is, because um, of course there's there's a early pictures I saw had um, Arsenal in it. I don't know if there's been no mention, or I haven't seen him in the books up to now. Gotcha. So I don't know if that was just a a photo that leaked out or something that right. was. Well, he was a part of the uh, previous Red Hood series, and, and they had uh, struck up quite a partnership. So it would be interesting to see. If, but if they do add him, then they can expand on the idea, which I think is a really fun concept. I think it's something that most of those characters have uh, some popularity to them, and like, putting them all together could be a really interesting mix. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Infamous Iron Man is great. A lot of people didn't give it a shot because they were comparing it to um, the Superior Spider-Man run, where Doc okay. Ock took oh, over infa- um, Peter. Infamous, infamous. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just realized Infamous Iron Man is the one where Doctor Doom is taking over the Iron Man armor. Yes. Yeah, and everyone was yeah, okay. was. Um, was like, ah, it's, it's just a ripoff of uh, Superior Spider-Man. It, it's actually not. In Superior Spider-Man, no one knew that Dr. Octopus was Peter Parker. And his right. whole purpose was to just prove he was better than Peter Parker. That he can improve being <laughs> Spider-Man. Whereas Dr. Doom has, is trying to make amends for everything he's done. And everyone knows that he has taken the Iron Man's armor, but of course no one believes that Dr. Doom has actually turned over a new leaf. Um, and and the, right. the, 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 the neat thing about it too is Dr. Doom, he's combining – see, a lot of people forget that he um, he's a magician. While he's not on the level That's of Dr. Right. Strange, he, he actually is um, very, a very powerful – Magician, and he's combined. He's figured out a way to combine that with the armor. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it's a, that's a theme that is running through several books because in the recent Guardians of the Galaxy that I read, um, Shield has approached uh, Ben Grimm the Thing to kind of vet out uh, Doctor Doom and find out what's going on there. And they actually uh, clash in uh, the episode. I mean, in, in the book I'm reading episodes, <laughs> the book I'm reading. And uh, <clears throat> I, I tell you, like I said, they were two surprises. Um, they were pointed out to me, and I said, ah, you know what? I did like the Superior Spider-Man. Let me try it. I didn't go in with high hopes. Was pleasantly surprised. Red Hood and the Outlaw was uh, something my brother wanted to read. And honestly, I loved it. 
Nice. And, and a couple people recently have brought that book up to me as, as one of their favorite DC books because it's something really different and fresh. And it's on, like I said, the the trade is coming, and I want to pick up the the first trade and give it a, a run through and see because it's getting a lot of good feedback. And I, I thought it was a really neat concept too. Definitely. Um, it, it's like I said, it's it seems to me like some of these books that they're not pushing. Are, are kind of missing out because I know they were pushing the other Iron Mans, uh, the one with Riri Williams. Right. And I yeah, the first yeah, that's the one I thought I you would reference. No, no, no. I was very disappointed in those actually. Um, I just think they focus too much on that she's Iron Man now. Right. And and not in a and not it, it, it's almost like the story is just like, hey, look, who's Iron Man? Instead of, you yeah. know, villain-driven, story-driven, it's like we got a different yeah, Iron I, Man. Here she is. Uh huh. I got the same impression. And, and, honestly, uh, it seemed like a publicity <clears throat> stunt more than a a, a serious yeah, you, run at the. You, you know what? I'm glad you used that word. It, that's exactly what it is. And it seems like a lot of the, and I and I got a rip marble on this. It seems like a lot of the characters that you're doing. I, you know, if you're going to write the story, write the story. But they they, they just seem right. to be wanting that. Hey, look, you know, we we changed we changed this character, we changed that character, and that's it. There's no no oomph behind it. Whereas they have a couple good books, and they're, you know, I'm saying, hey, you people are missing out on this or that. Yeah, for sure, and. I, I think Marvel has been in a, 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 I don't want to say a tailspin, but I know a lot of fans and people I've talked to have been really unhappy with the direction of Marvel. Um, very critical on a lot of their artistic choices and, and storyline choices. Um, but there really are, when I'm learning, some hidden gems, like you mentioned, uh, Infamous Iron Man, which I haven't checked out. But there's a couple other books that have been really, really good. Uh, Champions mm-hmm. has been on top of my read list for a couple Months now, it's another great book, and uh, hopefully they're starting to kind of put things back in order. Um, but they seem to get hurt with a lot of publicity stunts and overblown mm-hmm. crossovers in a similar position that DC Comics was in a couple of years ago. Exactly, and and you know what's funny is, like I said, I, I get back to like the books that they they're overlooking are kind of the hidden gems. Um, in. in Injustice has been on a phenomenal five-year run, and there was rumors that um, the last the last year was going to be the last year. And actually, they just right. upped the game with the new with year uh, six they're on or year five. Uh, it's early; my brain's a little <laughs> <laughs> understandable, but no, you're right. They did just announce a, a second version or another version of the Injustice video game, and um, they're doing a – they're actually, I believe, in the middle of – it's called Ground Zero um, yes. of Injustice, which is another miniseries. Um, I actually did, on your recommendation and a couple others, I did pick up Injustice, and a uh, very fascinating read, really fun concept, um, some heavy stuff going on. The I, I honestly have never seen a comic company do this with their most iconic character. But when you get, um, how far are you into it? Um, in, I'm still on your, I'm still wrapping up year one, but, uh, okay. 
I know it's, it's been long <laughs> but, past, so you don't have to worry about spoiling but, things because I've heard a lot. Oh no 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 no! I, I'm not spoiling it. But the time by the time you get to the middle of year two in the three, you will absolutely despise Superman as a character. Point where like you you feel yourself feeling bad because you are rooting against one of the greatest heroes ever, and it's not even like you don't think twice about it. They they have written that so well to the point where you just want him to get his comeuppance, and he literally has become the ultimate villain in that series. And and, I, and when I say ultimate villain, I mean I find myself disappointed when he doesn't get you. You literally are so mad at the end of each achievement issue that you're looking forward to the next one. Like somebody's got to get him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, and it, it's really interesting because you've, uh, it's been done so many times where the companies will make a Superman-ish type character and turn him evil, but I mean, to do it actually with Superman takes a lot of guts, and um, it's one of those little engines that could series that like everybody's like, anybody who reads it becomes addicted immediately. And, and that that was the case with me. I have every single episode, uh, every single issue, since since one, and literally, uh, I, I can't wait. It's it's my can't wait to every month, and and I can't believe like DC is overlooking. Like I, I mean, they're happy with I guess the numbers on it because they keep you know, re-upping it. But I really think that they, right. they could have a wider audience if they pitched it more. But then again, I think they might be afraid because, hey, it is portraying their greatest hero as their greatest villain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a sticky situation for them. And I believe, isn't it still a digital first series? Or is it now moved straight on uh, to print first? Uh, as far as I know, it's always, Not it's sure. always been print because I always get the issues. I don't I've never read it on digital. No, I I believe uh at one point the Injustice series was digital first, uh, in which what they do with that is it is similar how to how Batman sixty six was. Um they release a different part of the story every week and then when that we get it a little bit ahead of time. Um I could be wrong. I thought Injustice it was one I, of the there's like four or five books like that. I am going to plead absolutely ignorant because I, right. I, I'm i going to be honest with you, my friend. I know nothing about digital and online comics because I am so against right. it that I probably that, – that's – you're probably 100% right, and I just ignored it because I, I, I like holding the book. <laughs> I'm still a nerd. You know, I can't – you know, I have a nice iPad and then – I think the only comic I got on there was the uh, the Colonel Sanders <laughs> free comics, <laughs> and I absolutely hated reading them on there. Right, it, it's it's a new. It's, it definitely takes some getting used to. I do appreciate sometimes the the special effects they put into a digital comic, but uh, if I had my my way, I would almost always sit down and read a book for them. It's just I'm aware of their digital platform because some of the books I really enjoy. Uh, Batman 66, Wonder Woman 77, and a couple others have been digital first. Um, I oh, usually do wait wonderful. for the, the paper copy. That's really good to hear. But uh, like I said, man, it's it's becoming a good time to be a, a comic fan again because uh, it seems like with all the hero movies coming out and the renewed interest in a lot of stuff, 
Um, now, have you been keeping up with the, uh, the the new Civil War? I did. I read the new Civil War, uh, the main series. I, when it comes to those big events, it gets so over-encompassing. I try to stick to the main event, just if nothing that's, else that I can uh, know the basic topic. I, and I actually – yeah. You read the yeah, main yeah, one? No, well. I, was agreeing, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, and I, I liked it more than I thought I would. I mean, I thought when they when they said it was going to be Captain Marvel and Iron Man, it seemed another one of those forced Marvel things. Like they are incredibly desperate to get Carol Danvers as their uh, Wonder Woman, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, it almost she's seems the main, like that. one of the main. Yeah, like she's one of their main players. Yeah, um, it, it, it it does it does almost seem like that because you know they're they're banking a lot on her movie doing well, which I'll be honest, Marvel hasn't had a bad movie yet, and no. they've used lesser known characters, so I, I I don't think that they're gonna it's it's I don't think that they're gonna have an issue getting her over with especially especially now it's good because now now it gives the uh, young ladies and. Girls and girls who read comics, you know, another hero that they can look up to. Because really, you know, the big, the big thing is Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, and it's like there's so many female heroes out there that are positive, um, you know, model, role models to read. I'd like to see that they start pushing some of the other female, strong female characters, and she definitely is one of them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and like I said, it was it was like eh when they first announced it, but she ended up being a really strong lead, um, uh, interesting uh, character arc into it, and it's launching into things. And now, and she is one of the ones that is slated to get a Marvel movie. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. There's a lot, and it seems to be that they're starting to be aware of this. You're starting to see like the superhero girls initiative from DC, and you know there's mm-hmm. been some serious push for a Black Widow movie. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why that hasn't surfaced one way or the other. Um, Jessica Jones, I, which was a very different kind of hero. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, the rumors that I heard about the Black Widow movie is it, it's just they they their big worry was it would be too close to Captain America. Um, right. Just because she's she's basically a, a female version of Captain America. Her backstory is good, but they said that's basically all they had. And once the backstory's done, and she doesn't have any kind of rogues gallery. That's very true. And because um, this this point did come up in a panel one time, uh, I think it was at the San Diego Comic Con when Miss Marvel was announced on why they never did. Um, and they were trying to, I mean, yeah, they were trying to say that Miss Mar- she has the cosmic aspect added to her. So that adds a little more interest, and she kind of fits into right. the current storylines. So they they brought up some good points on why they didn't. You know, it's not that they don't believe in her as a character, but they don't believe in her as a solo character. Right, and it's and, kind and of the know, same reason they into it. Yeah, and and they also gave that same reason why Hawkeye's never received a, a solo movie. Yeah, I think um, the way they portray Hawkeye, there's really not much left to tell. He doesn't have the the colorful origin that he had in the comic books. They've kind of recreated that character for the movies, and you know, knowing that he's, uh, I think most of his story was told in Age of Ultron, 
No, you know, everything where that, I'll, that would make him. Now here's where I'm opinion on something. And here's All where right. I think having these big stars kind of hurts Marvel in the movies. I I think that if they went with lesser stars, Black Widow and Hawkeye would have been great stories to tell in a season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, absolutely. I thought um, from the start, I, I think when they announced Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they expected more characters like that. I mean, eventually they got the Mockingbird. But, you know, a Hawkeye... And they just had Ghost Rider this year. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that was another... That was uh, different. But I think when they... Going back to season one, when they were doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., everybody kind of uh, pictured, you know, you had... As far as who we knew, we knew it was Hill, um, Coulson, Fury, of course, and then, you know, Black Widow and Hawkeye were the two big high-profile S.H.I.E.L.D. characters. So I think they expected a little more like a uh, super commando team like that almost... Um, yeah, yeah. It would be really and nice I think a lot to of see people, one of them pop up in there. It, it it would, and that's that's kind of where I think a lot of people get disappointed with the show because it's a really good show. I've I've watched it every season. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoy it for what it is. Um, but I definitely think that uh, like the highest rated episodes, of course, was the one where uh, Samuel L. Jackson appeared as Nick Fury. Right, and they had uh, the, the two episodes with Lady Sif on from the Thor movies. Yeah, and and then it just seems like any time that they're introducing a, a hero or a villain that the characters know, I mean that the that the people know, they get they get really excited. So um, with Ghost Rider this year, that's going to be the norm now that they're going to go with so many secondary characters and get them yeah. into the episodes and get them introduced into the Marvel universe, which is always good because now you have access to ghost rider for the upcoming infinity wars. Right. If need be. And the, unfortunately they're going to have to well, be particular uh, about who they pick because uh, it sounds like uh, based on recent comments that uh, making ghost rider for that show pretty much spent their budget for the year. Well, the, 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 the effects were, were, were top notch. And I can yeah, see where that right. happens. They, they they probably would have been better off going a few episodes with them than a whole half a season. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. So, yeah. So that's do a couple. That's that's not proper budgeting. We know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. And it's funny because it's a similar situation. Um, I was talking to somebody about Legends of the DC Universe. And um, this guy was literally almost banging his head on the counter because he couldn't understand why you have Firestorm on this team if you never actually use Firestorm. They almost never turned into him. I'm like, well, that's a lot of money to do that special effect. That's why he was so sparingly used. Uh, but it, it comes down to, like, do you, would you rather not see him at all or just see him sparingly? And that's the same kind of thing with Ghost Rider. I, they... I would. I, I, I'm a huge fan of DC's Legends of the Universe. At this point, you need to get rid of him because you get so frustrated with him because he's there. And then, like you said, there was a situation, and it's like, why aren't they? Because at one point, I had to go back and rewatch this season. I rewatched the two episodes before the most recent ones because I thought I missed something on why they like they couldn't connect or something. I'm like, did I miss something? Right. And here, it was just you know. It's what you said, you know. They're they're 
they're using sparingly. So at this point, I think next year they they need to move the characters out and focus on heroes that you can. Because they they, they the, the problem with a with a show like that is when you have you know um, you have Commander Citizen Steel who's now CGI. Um, right. They do beautiful effects when um, Vixen goes into her hero mode. Yeah, and uh, you know, and then you said Firestorm. So it's kind of like, uh, and then of course the Atom. Every time he uses suits a special effect. So so the, you know they got a lot to use. So uh, they may want to concentrate on different heroes. That 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 may be a little more friendly to the budget. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, it's an expensive show to make when you have all those heroes with different powers, and when you have somebody like a firestorm, or even like the hawks barely use their wings, uh, except and they actually yeah. had them hidden, I guess, for most of the show. Yes, yeah, um, they didn't have them. They didn't have them. They weren't uh, harnesses like they were in the uh, comics. They were actually attached to them and inside. Right. Right, and just kind of popped out whenever they needed to fly. Um, that's no. it's also pricey. I think I think sometimes picking more street level heroes without the grandiose mm-hmm. powers works, especially in a situation like Firestorm. So, interesting to see what they do with that show. Um, goes that's, especially in light of you, Go ahead. No, it's, it's funny. I called to just talk to you about a couple comics, and of course we, do, you know, when you and I start talking, we get into everything, which is funny. Did you yeah, cover or did you did you see Powerless this week? I hadn't talked about it yet, but I did see it. Um, kind of a mix. Oh, when were you going to talk about bag it? Bag for me. Um, actually, we can talk about it now. It was it was on oh, my awesome. thing to talk about today in the show. I was just I just covered the news first, and then uh, you called in. So yeah, let's talk about it. NBC's new sitcom, Powerless, set in the DC Universe, uh, their version of the DC Universe. They didn't specifically say what DC Universe, but um, the idea is uh, he's a a group of people who work uh, for Bruce Wayne, Wayne Security, and um, they create protection and help things for everyday people in the DC Universe who Really, when you think about it, it was a funny idea when I heard it. You know, everyday people, it must just suck to live in Gotham City or Metropolis. Well, I I thought that opening scene was great with the train. <laughs> yeah. Where she's all excited about, you know, seeing heroes fighting and the other people are just like, cancel my 930. Right. <laughs> because something you don't see every day. Part of yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. That the, right. the guy had the greatest line. That's something you don't see every day. Yeah, you kind of do. Yeah, it's like this train goes off the rails every day, <laughs> but yet they still take it. And I thought that was, I thought some of that stuff was really inspiring. Some of the dialogue was really cheesy, and some of the characters I think uh, just didn't quite work for me. But I loved Alan Tudyk's Van Wayne, just a, a more arrogant version of the Lego Batman, essentially. Um, Playing his cousin, he he cracked me up. Um, he he did. I I you know I know the effects were cheesy, but yeah. I as a fanboy I popped for Crimson Fox and Jack O' Lantern. That was amazing, and it was funny when I when I watched that show and I'm like, they're from the Justice League International. They got Jack O' Lantern and, and Crimson Fox, and and think of, this is how awesome it is 
to be a fan of comic books and superheroes in this day. When you think about, let's see who's made television. Vibe is one of my favorite characters on Flash. Vixen, yes. Agent Steel, Crimson Fox, Jack-O-Lantern. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got characters from the Detroit version of the Justice League who, who are at one point were kind of laughed at, and characters from the Justice League International run who, you know, DC does everything they can to kind of bury. That's amazing that we're down into, like, C-list characters getting big-time spots on television shows. All I got to say is if Gypsy and Halo pop up, I'm done. Well, Gypsy's popped up, sort of. <laughs> they um, had a, a, their version of Gypsies was on Flash this week. No, I didn't watch it yet. So, <laughs> that's, and would hey, tell me you as a fan, you didn't get a kick out of Starrow. That was amazing, absolutely amazing. <laughs> Just out of the blue, it's like Starrow. Starrow. Right? <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's great to see all these things. I think Powerless, I'm going to uh, – hopefully it continues. Um, I, 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 like some of the little inside jokes, like they, they, someone created a, 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 an EpiPen for Joker Venom. Hilarious. Yes, I, and I did find that the, <laughs> the end where they invented something for Jack-O-Lantern was turned into something by Batman to find the Joker. <laughs> and they're like, right. whoa, what are, the, what are the odds of that? Right. Conveniently, Batman used the same technology later to capture the Joker. I, that was that was my favorite joke in the whole thing. And, and then they were like, "Oh, wow! Batman had the same idea we did." <laughs> so some of that stuff show was really me, funny. You know what that show gives me hope for? The long-awaited TV debut of Ambush Bug. If any place, that would be the place to go. Um, <laughs> exactly. He would he would definitely fit in there. Interesting that they got to get him on at some point, in some capacity, because especially with his ability to break the fourth wall like that. You know what DC? They you know they they like doing their movies seriously. You know the serious, and they haven't taken a clue from Marvel. You don't have. To. I mean, especially with the success of Deadpool and the other, you know, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think DC is sitting on a gem there, and if they got a good writer and a good – that could turn into a fun hero movie that could make that money. For sure. For sure. Anyway, never, they, they, they just prefer never, the dark and brooding. Yeah, and it's a shame because they, you, you see their movies are, are you know, profit-wise and likewise, like ability-wise. They're, they're behind the Marvel movies. And uh, you know they they uh, I I I fought the DC movies on this like when they saw Deadpool and how it's got uh-huh. huge ratings I and he and it, and it was a good money maker their only take from it was oh yeah we got to make a rated R comic book movie they completely right. missed out on like no it was fun and then you know. Then they're like, yeah, we don't understand why the Suicide Squad didn't do better. <laughs> and you just sit and there that, like, yeah, right. And that's the thing. Like DC, the DC's movie, they need to fire everybody and start over because they, they all they seem to be doing is, okay, this works for Marvel. We're going to do the same thing. 
this worked for Marvel. Oh, Marvel just did this. We're going to have one too. And DC was in a better position to start their universe because they had access to all of their characters. You know, Marvel started with these characters like Iron Man and – hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Hello? Okay. Um, Marvel started – I'm here. With their movie – Are you okay? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was I fading out okay. or something? No, no. It, you, I, I was hearing all kinds of uh, rustling back there. I just, I thought I was losing you. <laughs> Marvel started with second and third string characters because they yes. didn't have access to their big guns. DC does. And with them, with, with the public already knowing who Batman and Wonder Woman and Flash and Superman are because of their multimedia appearances in just about everything. They were in a much better place, and they just keep mucking it up every chance they get. Suicide Squad was a mess. And well, you're it right, was it was such... an answer to Deadpool. And it was so poorly written. Right. The, the thing that bugged me about that whole movie was is how easy it was to defeat the villain at the end. Right. And it was, a hor- it was a horrible villain. Purpose. What's that? Yeah. And it completely like made yeah, the whole movie pointless. It's like you just had to put a bomb under him. Wait a minute. You shot missiles and he caught them. And all you had to do was put a bomb under him. Right. But yet he fought exactly. one of the most powerful uh, creatures on the earth in El Diablo. And and, but he can go toe-to-toe to him, but a bomb that a human can make blew him up. And I'm sitting there like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever saw. And and they were so focused on making Harley Quinn a thing in that movie. And right. you know what? I I was in the I guess majority. I that that I found her portrayal more annoying than personable. And and you it's know, a shame because Harley can be a huge franchise for them if they make the movie and make it right. Slamming that in there and making it the mess that it was just because you wanted. To, to make her the featured attraction to get her own thing going because she's popular, it's why things don't work out. It's why, you know, they have these problems that they do. It's just like, let's just throw all this in here and, and, and we'll make it work because it has to be rated R and it has to be this. And, like, it's like story comes – it reminds me of a goofy commercial, I think, for Sprite uh, mm-hmm. years ago where a bunch of movie executives are sitting around talking about the movie, and they're like, okay, here's what we got. We got a tie-in with this fast food place. We've got toys. It was like this giant slug monster or something. They were going to make the big seller blockbuster. And they're going through the thing, and they're like, we got this merchandise. We got toys. We got this tie-in. And we got this. And they're like, all right, how are we on a script? He's like, ah, we'll get to it next week. <laughs> I remember that commercial. Yeah, and it just seems to be that's the DC thing. They're like, okay, we just need – to make some more Batman toys, and we want to put some Harley Quinn toys in the store, so let's just make a movie. <laughs> and, and, and again, it's like you said, now they want to do a, um, a solo Harley Quinn movie, and I think they're going to be disappointed in the reaction to it. Right, especially if it comes out of Suicide Squad. There, it's almost they, That whole universe needs a reboot, and I, I think you know they've got things in motion, but um, it's going to be interesting to see because if, if Justice League also derails like their last two movies, eventually Warner Brothers is going to be like, yeah, we got to stop. And they're going to put the kibosh on the whole thing. 
because well, it's not worth anything on this if it's ruining their products. From what I've seen in a Wonder Woman movie, there's nothing that's making me want to go after the movies to say it. It, it right. actually looks like a. It, it almost looks like you just redid the whole Captain America story. You I've know, heard a couple people say that. Well, I understand her origin is kind of similar. You know, she World War II and all that. But my whole thing is, is uh, if I was an executive, I would have looked at that and said, you know what? Why do we have to do it like that? Why can't we put her in modern day? You know, we could do a quick flashback and tell her story, but putting it back there, you're right. just opening yourself up to saying, hey, and especially the fact that they're having her use her shield more prevalently than she does in the comics. Right. It's like, right yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. her shield's her biggest weapon. Yeah, it's like you, you are now, when her lasso is supposed to be her biggest weapon. But at the same point, now you're just like, okay, so you're in World War II and you're throwing your shield and you've got the stars and stripes. Hey, that sounds familiar. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what you had said earlier about them just kind of reactionary. They have a movie like that. We have to have a movie like that, which is a shame because there's so many different takes on these characters that would work and so many different things. If you just do what Marvel – the one thing they aren't copying from Marvel is the story. Like these are very plotted out. They get to the heart of the character, and they use that as the inspiration, and they trim off all the facts and things that are too continuity. But I think because – you got guys like uh, Jeff Johns uh, running the movie ship, and he's in love with his own work. That he's like, oh, we've got a parallax is clearly the villain for the Green Lantern movie because I created it, and we're going to get into the Green Lantern core, and uh, that caused that movie to just be an abominable mess. And I think it's the same situation. Oh. It's like, okay, we've got to we've got to tie it into the New Fifty Two and the Rebirth stuff more because that's what we're doing in the comics. Well, look at their decision in the last couple of weeks. Like, hey, you know what? We're not going to do a Shazam movie. We're going to do a Black Adam movie. I am so perplexed <laughs> by that. All because, right. they, well, we got we got The Rock. We want to use him. Right. The Rock wants to play this character, so we're going to skip the hero. But the worst part was is The Rock wanted to play the character in the Shazam movie. The Rock right. never pitched for a single a, sol- a solo movie. He wanted to play the character because originally they wanted him to play Shazam. And Dwayne Johnson, who's right. a huge comic fan, said, no, I'm not Shazam. I'm Black Adam. <laughs> he goes, I'd love to play that. Exactly. And honestly, another thing that DC fails to realize, if you don't have a strong villain in a movie, the movie is not well. I said he would have carried the Shazam movie, no matter who they got to play opposite of him. Right, so, And I think a lot of other people put that thought out. So instead of them saying, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, no, 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 let's just make a Black Adam movie. So you're going to take a character that is very vaguely known. His backstory is very – the problem is his backstory is very confusing because it's been rewritten ten times. Exactly, um, exactly. If you, if you get if to you, the heart of it, it's easier to do. But they insist on jamming – it's the same thing they did with the Hawks. And they, they insist on jamming these big convoluted backstories in. And it becomes, you know, it becomes difficult. To, where is it? Marvel's just like, yeah, we're, we can't do that. We're just going to take the heart of the character and go our own direction. Well, if you look at uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they told Star-Lord's uh, origin in five minutes. Right, right. 
think, think about that. They introduced five new characters into the Marvel Universe, and you knew who everyone was and where everyone came from by the end of that movie, and not once did they spend more than five minutes on each person. Right, exactly. Because they were more concerned with so, the story moving forward than, than getting their, their the stuff they wrote jammed into the book. Yeah, it's just a shame too because the TV universe they seem to do better within their movie universe. Right. Well, the people, you know, Berlanti and his crew, they have a much clearer purpose, and uh, if anything, they're guilty of it. Sometimes I think uh, they're they're trying to jam too much into there, and, and not everybody's getting. You know, uh, I'd like to see them branch away from Green Arrow always fighting guys with bow and arrows, and Flash always fighting running guys. I think Flash's Rogue yes. Gallery is phenomenal, and they could have stretched it out where, you know, Captain Cold could have carried a whole season, uh, you know, or at least him and Heat Wave at least, you know, half a season each. Um, and getting into these instead of, you know, focusing on just speedsters. But it's working for them, so I can't complain. I'm really enjoying it, but I'd like to see a little more of those characters fleshed out, especially the villains, although now some of them are over on Legends. Supergirl was a tougher sell because she had no rose gallery, but they're doing a great job. Somebody said to me the other day, in what world did you think that Supergirl was going to be the best version of Superman on TV? And she wrote, but you know what? Tyler Holcomb as Superman was phenomenal. He was the best Superman I'd seen on TV in years. Yeah, and I'm sitting there angry because I was like, this is the Superman that should be in the movies. Yeah, for sure, for absolutely sure, because he was Superman. They knew they they, they understand who Superman is, and and it, they went forward and made it work. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to monopolize your whole show, buddy. <laughs> I just wanted right. to call and talk a few things, and I've been here, you know, taking up a lot of your time. I'm sorry about that. No, no, it's good. I, this is what the show's about, getting in and talking on comics. It's been a while since you've called in, <laughs> so it's good to hear from you. Um, it's been a while since I've been up at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, some people making the move it was beneficial in some ways, but a couple people you know, are like, oh, I sleep in and now listen to you on demand. So <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. We'll have to have you back again. we got some things coming up. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to you more because, uh, you know, I'm still a huge comic book geek all the way around. Um, hey, just real quick, I know you always like to talk to me about toys and stuff. Um, yeah. Just recently was released an uh, action figure box set of Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Oh, wow. Um, Based on the, uh, yeah, it's, the comic from... Yeah, the iconic and comic, the statue. Yes, and the statue that they did a couple years ago. And real quick, I have it sitting in front of me. I want to give you a couple quick things about it. Um, All right. It it, it is uh, it ranges anywhere from thirty five to thirty nine dollars for the, the the piece. It is two large, fully articulated action figures in a beautiful display box. And it's done in a weird but kind of cool way. They painted the figures exactly like they look in the comics with the black shading in them. 
And uh, really, yes, I, I'll, I will take a picture of it because uh, until I honestly seen it live, I was like, "Wow, this is." And it's made by NECA. And, uh, hmm. you know, it's just a cool piece for a comic book fan because I know a lot of people wanted the statue when it came out a couple years ago. And and unfortunately, the statue is now like over $1,000. Yeah, that's a, that was a pretty penny when it came out. Now it's just skyrocketed. Yeah, well, you know what? With the, with the death of Ali, I think that, um, unfortunately, that kind of took away from it. I mean, I mean that added to yeah, the, sure. the price, but um, the you know it's it's a very nice piece for your comic fans out there. It just came out. Um, definitely recommend uh, picking it up. You know, so I know you always once in a while I talk to you about toys, and I am sending you a picture for yeah. your website or the post. And again, like I said, um, enlarge the picture and look at the way they, they made the figures, and you are going <laughs> to – it almost looks like they're two-dimensional. But I assure you that they are fully articulated three-dimensional. Oh. But it literally – if you hold it back, you see, you see in the picture? Yeah, yeah. He, he just sent the picture over, and it really is. It's, it's almost a literal recreation of the comic book cover with the shading and the, and the posing in the figures in the in the box acts as part of the cover as well. Really, a neat idea. And, and like I said, if you if you hold the the box back, it it looks like I, I I don't know if that's what they were going for, but it almost looks like a two D toy. And I'm like, wow, that is yeah. kind of neat. And then when you get up close, you're like, okay, he does have a Because that's when I saw, I saw the picture. And that's funny. When you see the picture of it, because the picture doesn't transcend the, two, the three-day, uh, you know, the third dimension. And you're looking at it, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to – I'm going to hate these things. that I, I'm like, why did I order these? And then when I see them, I was like, oh, they are. Because I, I thought his face was literally going to be flat and just everything painted onto it. But then when you see them, they have the rips in them. They have the articulation. It's just they made it into yeah. – they stayed true to the tunnel. So it was uh, – it's a great toy. Just wanted to point that out to you real quick. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to post this up on the Facebook page so you guys can take a look at it. And if you can, you know, enlarge and scroll because he's really – it's really a neat idea because you can see the articulation of the toy, but it really does look like a comic book. Um, yeah, really great pick. Please make, please make sure you give me photo credit. Yeah, we'll give you photo credit. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, my All right, friend. Buddy, thank you for uh, calling in. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we'll talk again real soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. That was my uh, <laughs> partner and friend, Super Cody, calling in for the first time in a while. Uh, checking things out. Uh, he's a avid toy and comic collector, and uh, always great to have him on the show. So thanks for checking in there and uh, talking the current event of comics. He's going to start making more regular appearances on the show as long as we can get him an alarm clock that works. So, all right. Yeah. Oh, 
Ah, I hit my button too soon. Time to switch gears and get into this week's six shooter. We're running a. Uh, I know we still got plenty of time, so we can get into the six comics I think you should check out this week. Uh, interesting. I, I went a little off. I, there's some books that I've been reading that keep popping up, and they will still occasionally pop up in here because they're really good books, and I think they deserve it. But I look for a couple things out of the ordinary this week. Um, first comic from the thing is a brand new comic that came out this week from Marvel Comics uh, from their Star Wars line. It's Star Wars Darth Maul number one. Getting into the history or the origins of Darth Maul, uh, the story picks up before the episodes of The Phantom Menace, and you get to see uh, kind of the formative years of this very intriguing, interesting character. Darth Maul continues to be a popular character in the Star Wars world. Uh, even getting cut in half couldn't slow him down, as he's made several appearances in comic books and the animated series, uh, both Clone Wars and Rebels since then. So there's a lot of people who love Darth Maul, and this is a really interesting book as you get to see uh, the formative years, the, the way he was uh, portrayed going into The Phantom Menace as opposed to the um, one who came after being cut in half and obviously had some <laughs> effects on his psyche. So uh, definitely check out Marvel Comics Darth Maul number one from the Star Wars line. Four ninety nine for the first issue, I believe, because it's a little bit extra size. There's a backup feature that's actually kind of fun, um, kind of a comedic uh, short by Chris Iliopoulos. I can never say that name right, but I love his work so much. Uh, Chris E. will say, uh, Tales of the Probe Droid that Darth Maul used in a comedic way. So fun stuff. Uh, Marvel keeps putting out some great Star Wars books. I'm a big fan, obviously. I speak of them often on the show. And uh, you should definitely check out Darth Maul, number one. Number two, The Champions returns to the list. Champions number five, also from Marvel Comics. Uh, I love this Champions book. Uh, I mentioned it. It's it's a great idea. It's a different kind of team team. And what I really love about it is that it's striving to be an honest-to-goodness superhero book where the heroes aren't just fighting villains for the sake of fighting villains. They're going out and helping people. And um, this one takes an interesting turn because they, they take on a villain that they can't necessarily punch in the face, and uh, which goes against all comic book norms, but it really works in the comic. Uh, the one drawback is they it, it seems to be that certain characters are contractually obligated to appear in a Marvel series, and they brought in this character, Gwenpool, um, which is one of the things that they're pushing – I'm not an enormous fan of it, of Gwenpool. I, I don't really understand the character, and I thought her appearance actually kind of drags down the book a little bit, but it served a good purpose in that it showed the contrast of what's going on in comics and who the champions are striving to be. So it's a great book. It's a lot of the young characters they've created. Um, it's a great read. Mark Wade does a fantastic job on the book. So check out Champions number 5, 399. From Marvel Comics. The next title on is The Spirit, The Corpse Maker, Chapter 1. And this is from Dynamite Comics and feature Will Eisner's iconic legendary spirit. Uh, he comes back in a new story arc, and it's written by Franco Francovelli. Uh, I love his art. He does the art and the writing on it. I love his moody pieces. He did a fantastic job doing uh, work on Zorro and the Lone Ranger, and he just excels at these kinds of classic pulp characters. He's really great at the moody art that goes in it. 
And uh, in the beginning of the book, he says he dedicates it to both Will Eisner and uh, Darwin Cook, who did a great job on the spirit, uh, picking up. He did a series for DC Comics when they had the rights to the spirit a couple of years back, and it's just a fantastic job and a true testament to the character and to the creators who brought the character to life. I really enjoyed it. Um, if you like those old classic pulp and uh, comic – he's actually not a pulp character. He's a comic character. But it had kind of a pulp feel to it. I uh, love those Golden Age-type tales. And they do a really great job with it. The Spirit, after one, 399 from Dynamite Comics in stores this week. Number four? Now, this one was different. This one caught me off guard. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I picked it up to bring home to actually share with uh, the princess who's getting into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it's the guidebook to the MCU Captain America Civil War. Uh, it's a Marvel book, but it's more like a magazine set in comic form. And it gives you uh, the backstories and, and, and information on a lot of the characters who appear in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, specifically characters as they relate to Civil War, where they appear, who they are, because – one of the things when you have a non-comic reader who's getting into the universe, and, and, and um, uh, the princess reads a lot of comics, but they're not superhero comics. She does not. She enjoys her fairy tales and her fantasy books. Um, she likes the superheroes, but she doesn't read a lot of them. And uh, anytime you have somebody new to the universe, it's always uh, daunting trying to catch her up, as, as it were, to who all these different characters, especially secondary and third characters, who uh, – you may recognize from something or know the comic history of, but they won't. And they, this book is kind of a magazine that gives it helps you get a new appreciation to a lot of those. And it seems that they put them out uh, once in a while to kind of catch you up to speed. And it's a really cool little thing. It's a comic book size, so it fits in with your collection. But it also uh, kind of reads like a, a magazine type thing with little chapters and little bits on all the different characters. So if you have somebody who's trying to get into the Marvel Universe, uh, cinematic universe, as it were, uh, it's a cool resource for them. Um, even I learned a few things having it, uh, and I've watched the movies, uh, but you, it's so tough to keep track of all those different characters um, from all those different books and their interpretations of them. Sometimes you miss things. So guidebook to the MCU, Captain America Civil War, is three ninety nine from Marvel Comics and is in comic book stores as we speak. Moving into number five, Batman 16 from DC Comics. Uh, I, I specifically thought to myself this week, I put Batman in there a lot. I'm not even going to put it in there, but it was such a great first chapter to the I Am Bane storyline. Um, starts off in a big way. The tension is there, the drama right from the first page, a huge, shocking cliffhanger that's obviously not going to be as, as – over the top as it appears, uh, what they did, uh, I can't imagine it's legit, but it still sends a huge message and sends the tone for the series I Am Bane. Uh, Bane is mad at Batman because of his, Batman took his uh, his crew, <laughs> a, a suicide squad of his own, so to speak, of Batman villains into Santa Prisca to rescue Psycho Pirate, who Bane had essentially captive uh, because he needed Psycho Pirate Gotham Girl, who's a character from a previous Batman arc. And uh, now Bane is mad and coming for it. And the best thing about this is like Bane hasn't been a threat since the first Nightfall storyline. 
you know, he's kind of been watered down and, and, and you know, kind of become a a really ineffective villain in a lot of ways, it seems, in the comics. And this is the rebirth version of Bane where they're really trying to make him a very credible and frightening threat for Batman again. And uh, I think it's great to have those kinds of things. As long as he's used sparingly, I think that was the problem in the beginning. They used him so much that he became ineffective. So Batman 16, 299 DC Comics is the number five book on the six-shooter. The number six comic, quote-unquote, on the six-shooter isn't actually a comic, and I realize it's not something I've ever really talked about on this show before, but if you're not familiar with comics, you may not know this exists. And my number six book came out this week, and it's previews number 341. And what previews is, it's... uh, a great, great way to discover things. It's a catalog that's sent out to comic book stores every month, and in it is every single comic that's going to be published in a given month. Usually it's about two months ahead, Um, and it covers every single comic that Diamond puts out, every single magazine, trading card, toys, uh, collectibles, clothing, apparel. It's all in there. Um, It's a huge catalog. It comes out. It's got sections for in the front for all your main comic books, your Marvel. DC uh, Marvel actually has its own subset book that you can get if you're only interested in Marvel comics. Um, in the main book itself, it does have a little bit of Marvel information, but you, it's a secondary book. They also have a toy catalog, one that you can just look if you just want to look at the toys. But it covers DC, Image, IDW, Joe's Books, Dynamite. Everything we talk about here is in the previews. And uh, every month it comes out, I, I immediately scroll through it, and I try to find things that I can order to talk about for the show. It's great for, uh, you know, picking out things and shopping, and you get to see uh, about two months in ahead what's heading to comics, and there's some really great stuff in every book. Uh, And it's a good way to find things that might be a little harder to find because comic book stores, any comic book store, no matter how big or no matter how great it is, and I've been in some fantastic ones, it can only order so much. And previews is a great way that if you find something you're interested in, you take it to – there's an order form. You take it, then you say, look, I want this comic, and I want this. And they will add it to your list, and they will order it for you, of course. And you know, it's a great way to get some of these books that, because there's so many. And when you pick up a preview, you'll realize how enormous it is and how much stuff is actually really in it. So – you know, it, it's a great resource, and um, almost all comic book stores I've been in carry previews. Uh, you can ask to see it. If the, uh, the one drawback to me is that the, the, the three ninety nine cover price, I think it's three ninety nine currently. Uh, so paying for a catalog like that can be a little bit uh, daunting, but it's definitely worth it. Uh, at very least, it's definitely worth taking a, a stroll through while you're in a comic book store. Uh, if they have one handy, and, and maybe find something that you wouldn't have expected. You know, I found that it's how, you know, I found so many books that I've really enjoyed over the years that may have been cast over because there's only so much, you know, even shows like this and other blogs and podcasts and websites can only cover so much. And previews is a great resource, and I go through it every month uh, almost religiously and uh, highlight, I always find five or six things in the book that, you know, I uh, enjoy looking. So previews is a one of those things that came out this week. I really wanted to take a second and mention it. 
Uh, and it's uh, in stores now, and it's put out by Diamond, the, the distributors for just about every comic book under the sun that's printed, at least. So, is this week's six shooter? Yeah. And that moves us into the final segment of our show. Uh, as promised, it's here. The secret code, kids. Get out your Maverick secret decoder. If you came out to Liberty All-Star Wrestling last night, you had your first opportunity to get your Mavericks Posse official membership card. And if you're an official member of the Posse, you are eligible for this week's prize. This week's prize is a Funko Pop Miles Morales Pop. I talked about it a couple weeks on the show. Uh, and when I did the unboxing, um, one lucky Posse member is going to get that pop for free. Here's how you do it. I'm going to give you the secret code. You decipher that code using your membership de- card decoder. Email me, mav at mavericksroundup.com. Email me code and your name, and I will pick from all the proper entries. I'm going to randomly pick one and announce next week on the show the winner. Uh, I'm also going to put this up on the website starting tomorrow, so if you're listening to the show today, you get a one-day head start as I randomly pick a winner to get the Miles Morales Funko Pop absolutely free as your prize for being a member of the Posse. So here it is, the triumphant very first code for the Mavericks Posse is Y-V-H-F-I-V-W-I-R-M-P-B-L-F-I-L-E-Z-O-R-M-V-W-I-R-M-P-B-L-F-I-L-E-Z-O-R-M-V-W-I-R-M-V-W-I-R-M-V-W
on Facebook at Mavericks Comic Roundup, and now on Snapchat at Mavs Roundup. You can read my weekly comic book reviews for the Totally Driven Entertainment Network at totallydriventv.com. For more of my comic book reviews, you can go to the Comic Universe's Facebook page, at Comic Universe. And you can also follow my kids and family Star Wars podcast, The Galactic Clubhouse, that I host with my daughters coming soon to Totally Driven. You can go to at Galactic Clubhouse on Facebook and Instagram for more. You can also check me out every Friday night at 9 p.m. right here on the Totally Driven Radio Network for LAW Retro Wrestling Hour, where we discuss all the latest Liberty All-Star Wrestling news and debate the greatest wrestler in history. I am very happy you tuned in this week. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting all of us out here at Totally Driven. Make sure you check out our other great shows all across the network. Uh, We've got some great ones, and we cover just about everything. Uh, And that is all we have for this week. So until we meet again, happy trails. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.